0: City on the Edge podcast, back from the grave, back from the grave, uh, with Mike Smith and Ty Bannerman, Hello. telling Albuquerque stories, the stories of
1: the Southwest, Ty Bannerman and Mike Smith, with Ty Bannerman and Mike Smith, yeah, so, how you know, oh. have you been Mike? Oh, I've been, you know, good and bad and everything, <laughs> <laughs> how about you?
0: Um, pretty good, I've good. had my kids home all summer, okay. so uh, they're actually at, at camp okay. now, which is a sort of a blessed relief, but then... Right, right. Then suddenly I've got all this other stuff that I have to catch up on. Right. Um, So I haven't exactly had any time to relax. I understand, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I noticed you had
1: sort of like a detached, blank, broken look in your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know. From your kids.
0: Right, that's exactly. (laughs) Kids and family life. I got that too. I got two jobs. We're looking like I got two jobs.
1: Two really weird jobs. I'm I'm going to be working with
0: you, it looks like, over at... um,
1: At a for-profit college. At a for-profit
0: college. With the initials BM. Yeah, yeah. About this.
1: Um, Yeah, and And then then we've got another really weird one. And then
0: my other job is I'm apparently going to be a standardized patient at UNM. Oh my god! You ever heard of that?
1: So you're gonna just pretend that you're sick? Gonna go
0: in and pretend that I'm sick for uh, medical school students. Be like, oh my, uh, my appendix really hurts, you know, and then they'll then they'll ask me some questions to determine if it really is the appendix or whatever. that
1: sounds like kind of fun. Kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the dream is to make a living writing. Like that's my dream. I think that's your dream, right? And I think we're gonna. Sure. I, I think we're gonna get there. But in the meanwhile, let's like let's keep it interesting, right? And yeah, then, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're you're gonna get something out of both those jobs that'll be really right, like, really uh generative for you, yeah. writing wise and just thought wise. It's, <laughs> it's gonna put you in in uh, connection with some really strange stuff
0: how are your uh, how are your kids doing um they're
1: pretty good they're yeah i like them you know it, uh, different stuff but i have a couple that are like locked in this like death battle of sibling oh, rivalry and that's yeah. kind of tricky to figure out right um and but they're all just like wonderful awesome people that i just don't want to ruin i just like you know <laughs> i mean they've got these Maddening traits that are gonna make for such cool adults. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I want you to be disobedient and wild and independent and to question everything and loud yeah, be right. before existence, but not but right now. Don't do In it to me. Rooms. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, don't make me
0: argue with you about putting your shoes on. Right. It's Please. just you know, I've
1: just given up on the shoes. I'm like, fine, Nora, you can be barefoot <laughs> just your barefoot whole fun life. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. You're gonna burn your feet, but you know, it's a natural consequence, you'll deal with it.
0: So yeah. we're uh, we're back to the podcast now. Yeah. Um, we're going to be starting a, a new season. Is right. What I I'm preferring to think of it this That's way, okay, right. um, But this should be coming out at the beginning of July, okay. and then every two weeks, we're going to be doing things a little differently. Okay, picking a theme for each month. Oh, so okay. we'll have two episodes along the lines of that theme. Yeah, I remember us talking about this. this yeah, is <laughs> yeah. Except there was beer involved when we were talking about <laughs> sure. it. And uh, this marks the kickoff of our first theme, which is, uh, which is um, law enforcement oh, and the problems thereof that Albuquerque has had. Okay. And uh, today we're going to start with a, a historical look back at Albuquerque's very, new Albuquerque's very first lawman, yeah. a guy named Milton Yarberry. All so right. we'll be getting to that in a little Sweet. bit here. But first, let's do our uh, our usual segments. Um what, good. New Mexico news. I, yeah. You have a story for us today. Oh, I
1: do. I found a great news story. I mean, it's not great for a couple of people who were involved in this story. It was, it's pretty annoying. Nobody, Nobody died, died, right? No. Okay. Well, no one died. That's a nice... That's good. what makes that's it nice. better this than... It's basically yeah. like a positive human interest story. You know, yeah, there you, know you about <laughs> Someone being mm. stolen from. Um, this was in uh, KRQE News 13's... Um, News feed. I, saw this, I saw this a while ago. Uh, well, actually, it was published June twenty-seven, so it couldn't have been that long ago. Um, but here, I'll, I'll just read from this piece so I, that I get it right. Uh, Albuquerque, New, Mexi- New Mexico, KRQE. What someone took from an Albuquerque home has a neighborhood baffled. Couldn't have been easy, but someone swiped an entire roof right off of a house. Yeah. Now the homeowner wants to know who these mystery men are. From the front, the home near Irving and Unzer in northwest Albuquerque looks normal. However, when Corey Archuleta went to check the mail Saturday... He noticed something major was missing. All of the shingles from his roof were gone. Oh, Even the yes. police officer this morning couldn't believe it, Archuleta told KRQE News 13. He said his insurance adjuster also had to laugh about it at one point. She said they'll have to claim it as stolen, he chuckled, still baffled by the strange <laughs> theft. He learned from neighbors that before the weekend, someone had stripped the entire roof off of the house. What? That, that's all they left, said Archuleta, pointing to a few shingles on the ground. He's been in the process of selling the house, and the future resident hasn't moved in yet. My first thought was to call the realtor... To see if maybe the new owners were doing anything yet, Archuleta recalled, but we haven't closed on the house, so I don't know why they'd be working on it. He called his realtor, Alex Morgan. He said, well, my roof is gone. The original roof is gone, Morgan recalled. And I was like, what? How the hell is that possible? How does someone steal a roof? Somebody steal a roof. (laughs) Neighbors tell Archuleta they saw a crew there on Thursday and Friday tearing the roof off. They didn't think it was suspicious at the time. They just figured it was part of the sale of the house, said Archuleta. They were in a truck with no sign, no business signs on it, so nobody knows who they are. The home didn't need a new roof. Archuleta said the, the houses in the neighborhood are fairly new. Whoever did all that work mostly cleaned up after themselves. They put the tar paper back, Archuleta pointed out. His best guess is that someone ordered a new roof, just not this address. Yeah. It's just surprising that they did do all that work and then, you know, must have found out they were at the wrong residence and decided to stop where they were at, Arculetta told KRQE News 13. He hopes the mystery men might return to finish the job. Arcoleta is now working to get the roof replaced before it rains. Oh, so far, gosh. no one has come forward to claim a mistaken job location. Neighbors said the mystery men were in a silver extended cab pickup truck with a white flatbed trailer. On the bright side, Arculetta said the new owner will be getting a new roof. In the meantime, Arcoleta has to fork out $1,000 up front for his insurance Jeez. deductible. Jeez.
0: Okay. it's so, weird. I mean, it kind of sounds like like an error. It's like, just a it mistake?
1: Could be. That- it could be, yeah.
0: I mean I can't imagine yeah. that the market for used shingles is yeah. real high but right. maybe maybe it is.
1: Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a time in high school when we toilet papered the wrong house. Oh. I like, thought oh, it was geez. our friend's house and it was <laughs> <laughs> it was like nope <laughs> some really angry guys next door. Yeah. Oh uh, man, that would took me off. Yeah, you know. But this
0: a, yeah, this just right. sounds like somebody screwed up. They're like, "Oh, it wait, be, yeah. this is the wrong address." Or
1: it's some really innovative thief who's just like
0: Yeah, they found a new market. Right, you know, like you know what nobody's doing is selling reused shingles. Right, right. This is our area. Right. He's the he's the Walter White of used shingles. Like he's some kind of genius guy figuring out how to sell
1: used shingles. Also, this is the kind of town where people will steal anything, you know. And it's like uh, my my kid's tire swing got cut out of the tree last week. I mean, like (laughs) I just came home and there's a strap hanging from the from the tree branch cut off badly. That's like bizarre. Like, come on, this was like for a three-year-old. You know? like what a, Yeah, what a that's thing surprising. Steal. Yeah, I
0: never think yeah. about... Like, we'd leave our kids' bikes out front all the time oh, yeah. just because I figure who would steal a kid's bike. Oh, they will get stolen. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. so far so good. Yeah, really? That's good. Maybe I should start bringing them in. Yeah, well, uh, yeah but it's
1: such a pain, you know?
0: Like, well, I understand. suddenly your house is full of bikes like mine. Oh, I know, yeah.
1: I've <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> got a bunch of bikes.
0: Oh, well, okay. This Interesting is, story. Yeah. Um
1: so, Return those shingles, sir. Yeah, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but if they show back up, they could get sued or something, yeah. right? Like, they, they don't want to show back yeah. up.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, it'd be so embarrassing to do that and be like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. We just spent days doing this. We are not getting paid for that. I guess they yeah. got like, got a lot of shingles out of it. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, at <laughs> least. Well, what that's worth. how about our new segment? Okay, let's hear that. This is uh
0: this is called Ask Albuquerque, and it's uh, something something you, the listener, can participate in on our okay. um, on our Facebook page. Okay, we're just going to start taking questions about Albuquerque and answering them on, on the broadcast right. here. Okay. Uh, so we put up a um, put up the uh, Call the uh, the update uh, just yesterday, and we've got a few questions um, from some people around town here. All right, Jennifer Simpson. All right, hello, asks, Jen. What is this weird bug in my house? Okay, okay so this, uh, this obviously has a picture yeah. associated with it. So if you go to our Facebook page, you can see the picture. I'll put it on Twitter, yeah. too, uh, and the Tumblr.
1: Yeah. Uh, you want to describe what that thing looks like? Yeah, it's kind of like, like a nightmare wrapped in like a fever dream, wrapped <laughs> in just sheer horror. Uh, it's like the sort of thing that if you woke up and saw this, you would, you would panic a little bit, like yeah. if it was on your pillow or on your ceiling. Uh, it's got pinchers. It's got way too many legs. It's got just a. Let's it's see. Got what, these little beady yeah. eyes in the middle of its chitinous head. It looks like a scorpion mixed with a cricket, uh, mixed with yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, it's hard to use examples from reality for this thing. Um, she
0: says it's about an inch and a half long, which yeah. is bigger than a, than you want a nightmare right. bug to be for right, sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Not as big as your hand
1: or anything. Right. Like if you found this in your ear, you would you would just never be the same.
0: I think the most notable thing yeah. about it, uh, I, did, I did some research on this, but um, and you can't quite tell this right. in this picture. Right. But uh, this creature has these four separate jaw parts hmm. that look. For all the world, like the the predator right. from the movie oh, when they open up, that's really true, huh? yeah, I can um, see that. and and um, I've I've seen these before and they do threaten you with them, like yeah. they they do this display where all four of them are
1: are open wide and each one is
0: tipped with this like fang, this yeah. curved fang.
1: Strange how metaphors come full circle like that. Like they probably modeled that on insect like mouths yeah, when they made right. that movie, and now here we are comparing an insect to it. Um, so I looked yeah. it up. What is it? It is a uh, it is an arachnid, okay. but not a spider
0: and okay. not a scorpion.
1: Okay,
0: uh, it is a thing called a solfugid or a solpugid, hmm. also known as a sun spider. They call them camel spiders. Hmm. These things live in Iraq and out here, basically anywhere there's a a stinking desert. <laughs> <laughs> um and they're uh, this is like their breeding season. I guess I've seen these things too. They're yeah. just creepy.
1: They're, yeah, they're like, you know, you never know if they're harmless or not, but you do know immediately. I don't want this in my house. Right. I do not. Want yeah, this. yeah. My... this is not like some little daddy long leg spider where you're like, you can live under my couch, man. It's cool. <laughs> no, this is like I can't. It's yeah. Can't be comfortable in a in a building with this. The good news is they're <laughs> non
0: venomous. Yeah. Um, but they do have these wicked little fangs, and they will bite you with them. Apparently, right. I. Of course, on YouTube, there's a yeah. guy sticking his finger into the maw of one to see what wow. it feels like. Wow. Um, so I don't have to do well, that. salute to that
1: guy, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, you know, there is something interesting in that. Like, I read something about, um, what are those, those uh, tarantula hawks? Those, yeah, Those really big hawks. insects that feed on tarantulas. Yeah, um, huge wasps. I heard that they had, like, one of the most painful bites in the world. That's what and I, I remember heard. I remember seeing one out on La Madera Road and just having a real moment of thinking, like, there's an experience right there I could be having. If yeah, I just picked that good. up, I could experience a feeling that was, like, it's probably off the radar of the spectrum of feeling I've ever experienced right. before. Like, there, there was, it was tempting for a moment. Really? I, I, I did think about it. I really, really? did. That and, was your thought. But my kids were there, and they're like, who's going to drive us home? And, <laughs> and then they talked me out of it, but you're You just yeah. figure like you know <laughs>
0: incredible <laughs> excruciating pain is is kind of a thing i I want to do right
1: now, well, I mean, I've had some really painful experiences in my life, and they're definitely interesting, like after the fact <laughs> they are I'm, interesting, you know I'm like that was something that I'll remember for and
0: then you could tell people and you'd be like well yeah it uh yeah. it hurt a hell of a lot right right And, boy you're you're you know I won't do <laughs> that again <laughs> well, the good thing is these guys i mean it seemed like i watched the guy getting his his finger nibbled on by one of these things wow. and. He said it felt like you know, like being jabbed with needles, oh. uh, but it didn't quite break the skin. Oh. So it's not, oh. it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. It's probably not anywhere near like a tarantula wow. hawk, which has some terrible venom yeah. that you know yeah. paralyzes spiders the yeah. size of your head.
1: You know, I, I love the desert, and I love that we coexist with all these strange alien uh-huh. creatures. Man, I, I think it's really, it's really cool. Even as it kind of terrifies me, and you know. It freaks me out that, you know, scorpions are out in the desert and yeah, all these weird yeah. bugs and stuff. I remember one time uh, at an old job, I, was, I, was, I had to leave some keys that I had left. And so I was like, let me find a place around this house to hide the keys. And everywhere I looked to hide keys, there was some terrifying <laughs> insect or arachnid. Like, I lifted up a rock and it's like, oh, black widows. Yeah, okay, I lifted yeah. up the barbecue grill and it's like, vinegaroons. Or, <laughs> no, or vice versa, the black widows were in the barbecue grill. The vinegaroons were under a rock. And it's just, you know, it's creepy. What's, really?
0: So what's a vinegaroon for? Them? It
1: looks like a scorpion, uh, yeah. with like a little extra wispy appendage or two, and and yeah. uh, and just horrifying. Apparently they're not venomous, right? They don't have a stinger. They're right. like a scorpion without right. a stinger, right? But still, again, not yeah. something you like want <laughs> hanging around where you where you hang out.
0: What they do is they spray you. Are you serious? Yeah, really? that's why they're called vinegaroons. They smell like vinegar. They spray you with this vinegary stuff, oh, which is probably effective against. Something small. Something, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Not so much us. Interesting. <laughs> well, good job uh, finding the answer to that. It looks like there's some Facebook commenters who were chiming in on. Yeah, on yeah. The some tape. people on That's Facebook
0: nice. did answer the question, Excellent. which was. Uh,
1: Thanks, Facebook pals.
0: Um, looks like Melissa Olivas oh, okay. uh, answered it correctly. Well, good job, um, Melissa. These things are often confused with something called a child of the earth or a Jerusalem cricket. Oh yeah, which right. I, I guess is a different thing. That's
1: what I thought when I first saw it. But yeah, the, yeah. yeah, also lives out here.
0: Also a horrifying yeah bug. Oh man,
1: <laughs> there must be some under my kid's bathroom because they turn up again and again and again. Oh yeah. Oh. Just... <sighs>
0: and then we had another question from yeah. uh, from Courtney. Okay.
1: Um, she
0: says. Ty's <laughs> <That's I's> wife. <laughs> hey. Sh- <laughs> She wants to know what the correct pronunciation <laughs> of the word T I G U E X is. Oh, okay. So, how do you say that?
1: Well, I think the modern day pronunciation of it is Tigue. You know, yeah. I, I think that's the because it, we have the, the Spanish pronunciation in right. mind now, and I think that's that's not incorrect for modern day usage. But, however, that's not the historical pronunciation right. of it. So, there's a park
0: yeah. right by the museum right, called right. Tigue Park. Tigue Park, I yeah. guess, and it's named after yeah. this. So, yeah. um, who who were the what is this based on?
1: Well, Tigüe was I mean, we live in Tigüe. I think my I would love with with the um after having conversation with with uh, Native Americans in in, yeah. in in this region to return the name of this valley to Tigüe, I think or T or Tiwesh?
0: Tiwesh. Yeah. Apparently T-wesh. that was the original pronunciation. Tiwesh, okay.
1: Um, um I mean, imagine that we could say this is the oldest continuously inhabited urban Urban uh, setting in America. Yeah. Like right right here, you know, okay. arguably. But um, I mean, we're talking 4,000 years. Right. that There have been humans living right here yeah, I mean, in concentrated a- as areas. Documented areas. Yeah. Like we could imagine if we changed the name of the city from Albuquerque to Tigue or Tiwesh. We could say on our signs, Tiwesh, here since 2000 BCE. Right. How incredible would that be? We could like. What what jobs would that create? To so like yeah. all the new signage, all the new business, all the new interest. All of a sudden, Coronado National Monument maybe would get rid of that awful name. Like, oh. don't name freaking native settlements after their conquerors or whatever. <laughs> right. like that's absurd. Right. Um, maybe that would become the new old town. Yeah, you know, it, because that's literally what it is.
0: So let's let's give a quick little history of what yeah. what uh, wesh yeah. was. Okay. So that was uh, a
1: Native American province. It was a cluster of I think a couple of dozen. Um, yeah. Little Pueblo settlements Yeah, you know? a bunch yeah. of them Yeah, right. it, lots part of, of them You know, you could argue it went all the way up to Tonke at The north end of the mountains And yeah. went all the way around You know, um, Sandia and Isleta, which are still around Were mm-hmm. a part of that um, And I think it's, I
0: it's the same route as Tiwa, Which is the language right. group of, uh, right. of a number of the Pueblos Well, yeah, there's a, a people, right? The Tewas yeah, yeah, spoke
1: Carizan, right?
0: Uh, there's Carries. Oh boy, oh. I don't know I okay. can't remember. I think we're getting out of our element. Yeah, yeah we need we're a to little out research. of our element. Let's not yeah. get into the language yeah, yeah. differences, but <laughs> yeah. a group of right. Pueblo people called the Tewa. Yeah, it's the Tewa, the Tewa. Yeah, yeah. The point is that they were a, a people who lived here in this in the Rio this part of the Rio Grande Valley okay. when the Spanish came. Yeah, and they had a you know they had they had settled the area for quite a long time. They had agriculture going. They had. Uh, these villages called pueblos mm-hmm. uh, in various places, yeah. and uh, Coronado.
1: Yeah, Coronado, fifteen forty, fifteen forty-one, comes in and you know has some demands and yeah, his soldiers don't behave well and you know I think starts the first yeah.
0: the first war between Ameri- uh not Americans yeah. Europeans and yeah. Native Americans yeah. uh, in in the north on the North American continent.
1: Yeah, pretty, it was pretty serious; a couple hundred people died. Um, and, Outside of Almost, Mexico, yeah. I guess, people, in, the, yeah.
0: in the American area yeah. of...
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was called the Tigüe War or the Tiwesh War. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fictionalized book about it called Winter of the Metal People. I have not read it, but I saw an event at Bookworks about it, and it was yeah. great. I it was, really, know, was really, really interesting. I may have
0: interviewed that guy
1: yeah. at one point. But, uh, yeah, he might, he might be interesting to have on. And I'm upset that there's not a good, like, purely historical book right. that I know of about about that war or that, ba- or that battle. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but I think it's a fascinating story. It would make a really
0: cool film
1: or something, you know, uh, valuable, valuable too. Good to know about And no one knows that stuff. You know, like we all like live in this town and we're like, oh yeah, Coronado something or other, the mall's named after him. It's just, you know, it's, and some people know it, but you know, there's a spectrum. Let's do a real
0: in-depth episode about the, the T-Wesh war at some point. I think that'd be be great. Maybe
1: we can get the metal people guy in here to to, uh, be an interviewee.
0: If it's the guy I'm thinking of, we can probably contact him about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, All let's right. let's move on All into right. uh, let's go from um, so T. wesh or T. if you want to use the modern from, yeah, Spanish corruption exactly. of it. Yeah. yeah. To uh, 1882,
0: 1881 to 1883, met, uh, New Albuquerque, the okay. new town of Albuquerque's okay. first lawman, okay. Milton Yarberry.
1: You've been kind of living in this Albuquerque. I know. Right? You you you, you really needed to. you you've been going through the Albuquerque <laughs> Journal and. During that that decade and right and uh, you really I love the stuff you post on Facebook from those old newspaper articles. Yeah, I kind of ran out of steam
0: back. lately, but I think I'll, I'll pick it back up sometime well, soon. Well,
1: you know, life gets life gets yeah. there. But yeah, I, um, okay. Well, let's so,
0: close our eyes
1: right. and so wrote something. Be
0: transported back right. to Albuquerque, eighteen eighty-two. In 1881, the town of New Albuquerque had only just begun to spring out of the dusty plain two miles east of the old Spanish Via de Albuquerque, from which it had taken a corrupted version of its name. Its sudden growth was prompted by the arrival of the railroad, and the town consisted of a few streets running in grid pattern over the land near the tracks, general stores, beer gardens, and saloons crowding along Railroad Avenue, an ever-changing cast of scruffy vagabonds, criminals, and tenderfoots joining the new town's permanent residence, who were often just as scruffy and prone to pulling up their roots as the drifters they contended with on the thoroughfare. During its first years, it was a literally lawless place, with no local marshal or police presence to keep the peace. Shootings, bar brawls, and robberies were a common headline in the Albuquerque Morning Journal, the fledgling newspaper of the fledgling town. But with the first municipal election, held on February 1, 1881, the residents hoped that would soon change. Milton J. Yarberry was the earthly vessel in whom they placed their hopes for law and justice, and when the votes were counted he had been officially anointed constable and town marshal of New Albuquerque. Unfortunately, any hope that he would live up to the town's expectations of a tough and fair meter of justice were soon dashed. Instead, they learned a lesson that is still relevant to this day. Be careful to whom you affix a badge. Much of Yarbury's life was unknown to the New Towners, but Yarbury told his close friend Elwood Maiden that he was born in Arkansas in 1849 to a respectable family with another name. We do not know who they were or what they thought of Yarbury's western career, for he admitted he had changed his name to avoid casting shame upon them, and he took the secret of his real identity to his grave, though some sources suggest he may have been born John Armstrong. It seems he was a bad man from the beginning, though, and confessed to Maiden that his exodus from the family home and name change had been prompted by the killing of a man over a property dispute, though he claimed he did not do the actual killing. Soon after, in 1873, other sources indicated that he'd killed again and fled Arkansas with a bounty on his head. Drifting through Texas and Kansas, changing his name several times along the way, he engaged in armed robberies and rode with outlaw gangs killing at least two more people and acquiring a reputation as a formidable, dangerous character. It seemed as though he still harbored some hope for going straight, though, for after a stint with the Texas Rangers, Yarbury took the name Johnson, opened a saloon in Decatur, Texas, and seemed on the cusp of settling down. Unfortunately, a bounty hunter arrived, looking for the Arkansas fugitive. Soon Yarbury had sold his share in the saloon and left town. The bounty hunter was found three days after Yarbury's departure dead with a bullet through his heart. For a man like Yarbury, the newly American territory of New Mexico presented an opportunity to disappear and start over. He did so, moving to Las Vegas, New Mexico, and opening a brothel to serve railroad men. But whether due to fate or temperament, Yarbury could not avoid violence for long. In 1879, he fought with another man over a prostitute, then shot him dead in the lobby of the Rincon Hotel but even after acquiring yet another notch on his gun, it was still apparently easy for Yarbury to leave that life behind and start over, yet again, in the just-born town of New Albuquerque. He arrived in Newtown, a new man with hope for the future. Somehow, by 1881, Yarbury had gone straight enough to make friends with Perfecto Armijo, the sheriff of Old Albuquerque, and perhaps in ignorance of Yarbury's colorful past, Armijo suggested him as marshal for New Albuquerque. With the support of the widely respected Armijo behind him, Yarbury won the election. The Albuquerque Journal described Yarbury as probably about 35 years of age. He has a tall, lean body, a small, poorly developed head, and keen gray eyes. He gives the impression of a man having loose joints. His shoulders are slightly stooped, and he walks in a shambling sort of gait. While an officer in Albuquerque, he sported a black mustache, not very extensive, but a mustache all the same. Thus was the spirit of justice embodied in New Albuquerque. Within two months, though, the citizenry of the town had caused to question their trust in Yarbury's lanky, shambling figure. On March 27, 1881, Yarbury found a man named Harry Brown dining with Yarbury's girlfriend, a woman named Sally Preston. Yarbury entered the restaurant with Preston's four-year-old daughter. Brown asked to speak to Yarbury outside, where some of his words were overheard by an African-American hack driver named John Clark. According to Clark, Brown told Yarbury, I want you to understand that I am not afraid of you and would not be even if you were the Marshal of the United States. Clark then heard a pistol shot and turned to <laughs> look at the two men. Brown was reeling as Yarbury fired another shot into his chest, followed by two more as Brown lay dying on the ground. Amazingly, though, even this act was not enough to derail Yarbury's law enforcement career. With the backing of Sheriff Armijo and witnesses who stated that Brown had once threatened to kill Yarbury, The constable was found not guilty of the crime. His freedom did not last much longer, however. A second incident would soon seal his fate. Only two months after killing Brown, Yarbury was once again accused of murdering a man in cold blood. On June 18, 1881, a raucous night of carousing at R.H. Greenleaf's Saloon was interrupted by the firing of a pistol shot. No one has ever proved who fired the shot or why, but immediately afterward the saloon emptied and the crowd spilled out into the street. One of the crowd, a man named Charles D. Campbell, who was known for his quiet, peaceable disposition, attracted the attention of Marshal Yarbury, who was then heading toward the saloon to investigate the shot with his companion, a gambler named Frank Boyd. Witnesses reported that Yarbury called out, Hold up your hands, and then immediately fired his pistol five or six times at Campbell, striking him twice in the back. Witnesses further reported that Campbell did not return fire, although Yarbury claimed that he had. No fu- no gun was found on Campbell's body. This time, not even Sheriff Armijo could save Yarbury, though he did prevent a lynch mob from enacting their version of immediate justice. Instead, Yarbury was held in Armijo's Old Town office, and there he sat as Campbell's body was carried through the streets in a funeral procession, where, according to the journal, Angry men on foot carried banners on which were mottos expressing the feeling of the bearers. In other words, New Albuquerque's first officer of the law prompted Albuquerque's first anti-police brutality march. Yarbury was soon transported to Santa Fe, where he was imprisoned for nearly a year before he stood trial on June 16, 1882. Despite his outlandish claims that the unarmed Campbell had somehow fired first, he was found guilty and sentenced to be hanged. According to the journal, after the sentence was read, his face turned suddenly to a livid hue and his cold gray eyes flashed out darts of malice toward the judge. The citizens of New Albuquerque, on the other hand, were gratified that justice was being served and that the fact that they had refrained from lynching Yarbury was proof that their little town was becoming civilized. After another year of imprisonment and a briefly successful escape attempt, the date of Yarbury's hanging was fast approaching. Yarbury himself grew increasingly nervous. A week before the day, a guard inspecting his cell found that Yarbury had removed screws from his cell door, smearing soap into the holes and covering them with soot to disguise the fact. When confronted, he reportedly said, I'm sentenced to be hanged. You would have done it too. A reporter who interviewed him behind bars said that he looked both pale and frightened, though Yarbury denied it. The prison guards provided him with two glasses of wine a day, one in the afternoon and one before bed to help him calm his nerves. They even allowed him to play the fiddle to pass the time, a hobby he had long enjoyed as a free man. The day before his execution, Yarbury was taken back to New Albuquerque by train, then marched over the very spot where Campbell had been killed. He was placed in another cell where New Albuquerque friends came to visit him. Finally, he was baptized. At two o'clock in the afternoon on execution day, he was led from his cell to the gallows. A reporter from the Morning Journal noted, Yarbury exhibited his anxiety and uneasiness by frequently asking the time of day. Excepting for this, he was perfectly cool. The area around the gallows was crowded with onlookers who had paid a dollar a head for tickets to the legal tragedy, as the paper put it. At twenty minutes to three, an official read the death warrant, after which Yarbury was allowed to make a statement. He said, among other things, I was perfectly justified in killing both men, and there are several men right here who know it before describing his actions as self-defense, and both Brown and Campbell as dangerous men who had killed others in their time. At a minute before three, the officials drew a black cap over his head. Just before the hanging, Yarbury managed to blurt out, Well, you're going to hang an innocent man, before Sheriff Perfecto Armijo himself gave the signal to end his life. Unlike a traditional gallows, this execution device was of a new design that rather than drop the prisoner through a trap door to the lower extent of the rope, used counterweights and pulleys to jerk the condemned man upward from the boards, hopefully snapping his neck in the process. It did so with Yarbury. However, the device worked a little too well. According to the journal, the weight was cut and Yarbury shot into the air. The jerk was so sharp and sudden that his head struck the crossbeam of the scaffold, and he again dropped until he took up the slack of the rope and remained dangling in the air. The man's neck was broken by the shock and the cracking of the joints could be plainly heard. Nine minutes after the hanging, the coroner declared Yarbury dead. The journal reported, He was cut from the scaffold and placed into the coffin. The black cap was removed from his face. His eyes were open and glared up at the crowd with a blank stare, and his jaw had dropped down on his breast. So New Albuquerque's first law officer came to his ignominious end. But in his wake, he left many questions. Who was he, really? What was the nature of the incident that first prompted his flight from his family name? And to my mind, the strangest and most perplexing of all, why had he allowed himself to be captured after his two killings as an Albuquerque lawman? Yarbury had apparently killed before, but each time he had almost immediately fled town. In the West, he was able to disappear and start over time after time, but in new Albuquerque, he stopped running. After both shootings, he turned himself in to Sheriff Armijo. The difference, it seems to me, comes down to the badge. Whether he truly felt justified in his actions, we will never know, but it seems clear that Yarbury at least believed the badge and its conference of authority and legitimacy protected him from the consequences of his actions. In the first circumstance, the killing of Harry Brown, which seems from all accounts like little more than a murder resulting from a personal conflict, he was right. The support of his fellow lawman and the fact of his position as marshal and constable was enough to save him from the hangman's noose. The second time he was not so lucky, but his faith in the badge he wore led him to believe he would be shielded again. We live in an era where the actions by police, especially those that result in death, are receiving ever more intense scrutiny. Although these questionable events are rarely as brazen as those Yarbury perpetrated, I can't help but wonder if sometimes the lesson of Yarbury can be instructive, because ultimately the badge is less important than the person who wears it.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah, Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't didn't know any of that. Yeah. Sure makes sense, though. (laughs) APD, since the beginning. Well, I think it's
0: just you're always going to have that problem when you have some people who are able to uh, use deadly force. Yeah. Oh, man. Legitimately, or legalized, I guess.
1: I don't know what it is, but some people very early on have, you know, bullying temperaments. I remember yeah. dealing with these people growing up, you know, like, right. you, you like to read, you're a threat to me. And, uh, and I just recognize that sometimes. sometimes I get pulled over and you can just tell when somebody who's just loving their power right. so much, they're just right. enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, you have to do whatever I say. I'm like, What's the problem, officer?
0: Well, and you can see it in, like, internet comments, you know, if you go to news stories on KOB about pretty much any crime where somebody's running or there's a gun fired and, like, people will just be advocating for the police to just execute them in the street, you know? Save the taxpayers' money!
1: Do you you remember when you and I got caught trespassing in that abandoned building, which I'm sure we'll do an episode on someday? (laughs) Yes. Uh, And, uh... Uh, the comments on the news stories about it. Oh, about uh, how we should have like uh, we they should do like
0: tase us they to should death or something. T- tase us to death and like yeah. we should
1: have clamps placed on us and. <laughs> and shot. I mean, it was just it was horrifying. Like yeah, what, yeah. You know the uh, I I'm trying to remember what the Nietzsche quote is about. Like beware anyone who loves punishment for in right, their in their right. face lurks the hangman you know, and the bloodhound, you know, I mean, it's just like, like, what, what's the deal with that? Like, what, you know, what, what, what's with vengeance? What, what, do we like, why, why do we, why, why is there punishment? Right. You know, like consequences I understand, but like punishing people, what is that saying? Right. You know, that like, you know, obviously like, oh, you can't stop killing people. We need to get you off the street. (laughs) there. But like, you know, to me, like the idea of of punishment vengeance. and retribution and vengeance. These are right. old ideas right. that need to go away. You know, they, they just don't make sense to me. You know? Well, it's interesting.
0: It seems like he was kind of hired on as somebody who'd be really super, yeah. super tough on crime. You know, he was, Yeah. he would, he wasn't unwilling to shoot someone down in the street, yeah. but unfortunately you give that somebody that kind of power, then uh, they turn out to have their own, you know, problems. It can really <laughs> make for some
1: issues. You had so many good details in there. I really like. I really felt like I could see the this world of 1881.
0: Uh, the, yeah, 1881 was when he um, yeah, when he did the killing, yeah. and 1883 was when he was hanged, yeah. um, which of course was also yeah. a sort of vengeance. De- um, dollar ahead oh. to go see him getting hanged by this peculiar wow. contraption that yanked him up. They called yeah. it "Yanked to Eternity."
1: Oh my gosh, that's horrifying. <laughs> you ever read uh, Dead, *Dead Man Walking* by Sister Helen Prejean? No, I saw the movie. Okay, I never saw the movie. Um, but that, that changed my mind on the death penalty. That book. I I was before that. I was like, of course, you kill somebody, you should get killed. And and mm. it just it, it that and uh, the book and movie of *In Cold Blood*. I think between between those, I really, I, I just felt like, yeah, you know, how how is this better? How right. how is like coldly. Calculatingly planning the death of somebody over a long period of time better than somebody doing it in the heat of a moment. Yeah. You know, it, it to me it's giving state sanction to exactly the sort of thing that we right. want to stop. You know?
0: Well, and then the argument that it would somehow save taxpayers money is completely undermined by the fact that in order to make sure you're not killing innocent people, yeah. you gotta have a whole process of vetting yeah. you know appeals and so forth yeah. to really make sure that yeah. the person is uh, is guilty and so yeah. it winds up costing like actually more it's true yeah yeah
1: you know and i don't i hesitate to ever engage in like the practical arguments of these things like you know people always ask like does torture work i'm like who cares who freaking <laughs> cares we want to torture people We want to like you know that's like letting letting the neocons like frame the argument a little bit you know I I don't care if torture works I freaking don't care if torture works don't torture people yeah don't do it like like (laughs) we need to evolve as a species we need to we need to evolve toward kindness and away from Mm -hmm. from that sort of nonsense it it really is you know and and if if you disagree with me listeners. Uh, read up on this stuff and challenge your own beliefs and this stuff. If you still feel the same way afterwards, let's have a discussion. Like you know, uh, but uh, I I just think read Dead Man Walking. Read about how some people get electrocuted for literally hours before the electric chair oh, finally works. Yeah. how they have to take breaks from it while right. the people like mop their brow and just sit there after having just been electrocuted for fifty minutes. I mean, right. you know, like uh, you know, read about the the horrible ways that lethal injections can go wrong. You yeah. know, re- you know, and just. Uh, read Camus on the death penalty. Man, that guy wrote some great stuff on the uh, on the death penalty. On just on just uh, you know the, the inhumanity of it of, of the it's you know uh, it, it's it's something to to be aware of and to not not engage in lightly. I think.
0: So this device that they used yeah. to hang a Yarberry yeah. Sorry. was uh, was designed as a more humane alternative to the traditional hanging. <laughs> And arguably, it was. I oh, mean, really? in, in that it, yeah, it, it ensured that his neck was broken yeah. pretty quickly, and he died within ten minutes. Whereas hanging by drop can often result in somebody dangling there for a yeah. good long time and choking to death, which is considered more inhumane. Oh my God. However, it was never used again in New Mexico, and rarely ever used anywhere else because it was way more upsetting to the viewers, to yeah. the people watching it. Which I think that, that's kind of an interesting irony, you know.
1: Oh, it sounds horrifying, kind of reminds yeah. me of um the uh the hangings of the ketchums or uh, was it black jack Ketchum who had his head ripped off oh yeah when he, when right. he was hung? yeah horrifying
0: um that was that was about the same time, right wasn't it?
1: it was around the yeah yeah, who did a train robbery around nut New Mexico yeah. His brother was was involved too I, I this is this is rusty for me, but um Yeah, what a story, man. I really love how, like, I just see, like, the 80s bar scene so clearly. Like, I I feel like I've been in shows like that a little bit. (laughs) It gets gets rowdy and everyone's going outside.
0: I mean, you look at the number of saloons that were in existence in Albuquerque 1882. Like, that was the main thing that was on the streets around there. It was saloon, 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 you know? Yeah. Um,
1: Man, we have got to do an event, 1880s-style Albuquerque, (laughs) in a tent, showing some Edison films and... Having some sort of a pit with an <laughs> a right band in it, you know? yeah there we go oh man um wow just fascinating I, I mean what's here I wrote down some notes here while I was listening to that story let me call these up really quick so I mean what he, what's interesting about his story is that it, how much it involved the whole West before it involved here and, yeah. and I think that was the nature of a lot of you know certainly whites during the time was that they were very nomadic and right you know m- moving around and and it was a place you the, could go
0: to kind of. Shed oh, off your yeah. former life. Seriously,
1: he's like a Cormac McCarthy character. Yeah, I was going to say, he's
0: yeah. almost stereotypical yeah. in that, you know, roaming around the West, right. basically racking up a body count everywhere he goes. poorly developed head. <laughs> poorly developed small, head.
1: Small, poorly developed head. Yeah. He shot, a, shot this driver, shot Camel. No, he didn't
0: shoot the driver. He shot uh, oh, Harry Brown. Okay. Oh, he shot Harry Brown. Okay. The, driver, was, overheard the, the driver overheard the argument. The driver overheard okay. And was a witness. Interesting. The only witness actually interesting. Interesting. Other people had said, Oh well Harry Brown Harry Brown was apparently having an affair with uh with um, Yarbury's girlfriend. Mm. Um and had apparently they'd had some arguments about it before, before yeah. and people had overheard Harry Brown say, I'm gonna kill him yeah. but he was unarmed <laughs> when Yarbury shot him to death and yeah. yet he he got off scot free. I mean he was he was acquitted completely.
1: Yeah. Boy, I can really picture him in that jail with the like really escapable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> door yeah. Drinking his two glasses of wine a day and playing the fiddle. <laughs> oh man, what a, I wonder if the first murder charge didn't stick at first because he um, the only witness was black. You yeah, know, I'm sure. Like a know, lot of if race played a, role in that. a lot of those aspects, yeah. Yeah, the
0: fact that he was a marshal, the fact that Perfecto Armijo was yeah. vouching for him, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe the guy being black played into it too. Mm. Who knows? Crazy. So um, we should probably wrap it up. We're at about the hour mark. Are we? Really but um, right. next uh, next episode is yeah. going to be a bring it more. to the modern era. Oh,
1: this will be fun. We'll talk a little bit about the most recent police protests. Yeah. I've got a piece I've written about that stuff that that would, uh, that would was in the alibi some time ago, and we'll update that a little bit and l- okay. look at that. I also want to tell our listeners that we are going to do an episode entirely about uh, women writing science fiction in New Mexico because we noticed that there were almost no women present in our science fiction New, Mex- right. New Mexico episode, and that's criminal, and that's just neglectful on our part. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it just... The fact is, is men do really dominate that scene, and it was very easy to just right. l- let them dominate that piece of writing also. We've mentioned Susie McKee Charnas, but there are a number of others we should've talked about. Melinda, Melinda Snodgrass. Snodgrass. I hope we can get her as a guest. I'm gonna try yeah. to, I've, t- I've met her before, and I think we could maybe arrange that. Okay. She wrote that wonderful anthology, a very large array about science fiction writing in New Mexico, and it's mm-hmm. all collecting good sci-fi and fantasy about the th- set in New Mexico or by New Mexico authors. Um, we we should do a whole episode on that. We will, right? Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for yeah. Tuning thanks. In. Tell your friends. Spread it. Spread the the news of this podcast that we're we're around and we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep exploring the city. We're going to have episodes on so many cool things coming <laughs> up. We, I want to do one on Vietnamese Albuquerque and get yeah. people that can tell us the history of the boat people and mm. and uh, the seventies. Um, uh, yeah. What, what would you call it? Yeah pattern of immigration or something I guess so, yeah, come, coming into Albuquerque and Albuquerque being a host city for people fleeing the Vietnam war. Right. And, uh, we're going to do a lot of really cool episodes coming up. We're going to imagine like what we will have explored within a hundred episodes of the show. <laughs> I'm so excited just to think about where we're going to go with this and what's, what's going to be a part of it. Cool. All right on, man. All right, well, thanks for listening thanks for and, listening.
0: uh, see you next time. Oh, and if you have uh, questions you want us to answer, on the air, uh, mm-hmm. go to our Facebook page, yeah. and you can just uh, ask them away, yeah. and we'll see them. soon Instagram website.
1: feed, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. podcast dot com is our official website. Yeah.
1: yeah. Tell your friends. We've got seven hundred followers on Facebook. We want to break a thousand in the next little yeah. while. So I think we should. Be great. You know, just keep growing. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. We like knowing you're out there.
0: Thanks to the Citizens Media Group, Soltero Lady Uranium and shady day.